Hello, welcome to Dying to Talk. I'm Buddy Feneff, a fourth generation funeral director in New Hampshire and the owner of Feneff Funeral Homes and Crematorium and the founder of the Cremation Society of New Hampshire. My co-hosts today are Mandy Damaris and Madison Smith, both longtime funeral directors with our firm. Hello, I'm Mandy. Thanks for joining us on Dying to Talk. Hi, I'm Madison. We're excited to discuss some frequently asked questions about the funeral industry. Dying to Talk is a lighthearted and upbeat discussion of those topics no one really wants to talk about. Each episode, we will choose a subject that is related to funeral service, the cremation process, or death and dying. This week, we're going to be talking about careers in funeral service. Um, what are education requirements? Why would someone um, want to become a licensed funeral director? What's the aspects of it? Um, what sort are they thinking about? Um, our guest is Sarah Hurley. Sarah is a student at Fine Mortuary College in Massachusetts and is also a licensed apprentice. Both of you are actually younger than me, so I've been to mortuary school um, a lot more frequently than I have. I went back in the, in the mid-'80s. So uh, I'm assuming the, the reason people have gotten into mortuary service and the, and the curriculum have changed. Do you have any perspective on uh, I don't know if, if the reasons have changed. I mean, it's entirely possible, but, you know, you haven't gone to school so long ago. Um, it's, you know, your reasons may be different from mine. Um, I just think that this topic is very near and dear to the hearts of all of the people who are currently in the funeral profession. Um, so it'll be a nice little trip down memory lane for us, um, but also something really informative for, uh, you know, anybody else who's toying with the idea or interested in the idea, but have no idea how to go about getting into the profession. Well, our industry has changed. I mean, the last 20 years, it's changed more than probably the prior 80. When I went to mortuary school, um, very few people were cremated. Um, funeral directors weren't looked upon to providing resources um, related to bereavement and grief therapy. It was really here you were in bombing classes, here you had to make funeral arrangements, and, and that's pretty much it. Um, the curriculum now, I think, I hope, I hope it is, is, is significantly different, has actually changed. Madison, you're actually uh, the last of the three of us to go to mortuary school, so what are your... What are your thoughts? I am. Well, Mandy and I are both alumni from Fine, where, where Sarah is attending. And, and in contrast to your experience with mortuary school, they do focus more on current trends and where those trends are leading in the next 50 years. Uh, we also focus on courses. Psychology of grief is really important and, and how to structure your words and, and your gestures to people. Um, so you are focusing more on, on the grief process rather than you know embalming funeral, burial. Um, it's it's a much softer industry, I think, in my opinion, than it was 50 years ago. Yeah. Well, I didn't go I didn't go to there. Well, I know. <laughs> but your, your family has been in business for a very long time, so yes. you, yeah. Correct. Okay. <laughs> you, you may want to stop fine. talking Sorry, right yeah, now. Okay. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. So quick question. First question. Why did you decide to get into funeral service? Um, for a while, I was working as a licensed nurse's assistant, um, so I had been exposed to people who were passing away. Um, I knew I wanted to have a career that I could help families, um, and it just dawned on me that this is the path that I should take, so I took it. So this is, this is sort of a second career for you? Absolutely. What, um, what did you do before you got into this field before funeral service, before, you know, being, uh, you know, in the medical field? 
when I was 18, I had the opportunity to be a part of the Army National Guard. Um, I was doing that part-time for six years. During that time, I got my LNA license, and um, shortly before deciding to finally go to school for mortuary science, I also worked for a construction company for three years. So you've just been all over the map. Like. I've been all over. <laughs> but now you've... you've Put down roots. You think this is it for you? I absolutely know that this is the right decision for me. Um, and it took a little while to get there, but I feel like it's absolutely the best decision for me. Now, I know my family had um, some difficulty understanding why I wanted to become a funeral director. And to this day, my dad still asks me, are you sure this is what you want to do? How After that last comment you I made, I'm not <laughs> sure this is what you want to do. Uh, how did your family react when you decided to become a funeral director? Well, um, my father was absolutely not surprised when he was deciding what he wanted to be when he, quote unquote, grew up. Um, he actually also had the opportunity to become a funeral director and decided to take another route. So um, it didn't surprise him that it kind of that interest kind of ran in the family. Um, my mom is a nurse. She's a hospice nurse, um, so she wasn't super surprised either. I've kind of always um, been interested in the field, and um, they were extremely supportive. So you're first-generation funeral director. I'm first-generation. Madison's first-generation. Buddy is fourth-generation. It seems like this is a big trend. You know, you're seeing a lot more kids in school, or even adults in school, who are coming into this completely blind. Um, you know, they're not coming into it because it's their family business. It's kind of an interesting uh, swing for this um, to be just a bunch of people who are saying, hey, you know what? This looks like something I would love to do. When I was in mortuary school years ago, um, many years ago, many years ago <laughs> I, uh, I have to go back and think, but I would probably guess that 70 to 80 percent of the students families own funeral homes they their uncle owned a funeral home it, it was part of the family business but now um, and Sarah you can uh, you can talk this of the, of how many students that are at fine now and how many would you guess I mean do their families own funeral home or people coming in this with a second or third careers I honestly think that the majority of students at my college um, fine most of them this is a second or third career um, the younger students are typically the ones that are coming from a multi-generational, you know, history and funeral directing. Um, but most adults, like 30s and, and older at the college, um, this is a second to third, maybe even sometimes fourth. And how many, how many people are, are in, I mean, in terms of the, you know, the class size? I know some people go full-time, part-time. How many people? Um, typically... Typically, class sizes are around um, 10 to 20 people. That's, 20 is like pushing. Mm -hmm. that's, that's really big. But their schedule is so different each um, semester. Um, there are some students that have been there just as long as I have, and I haven't even met them yet. So there's quite a few of us. Um, and by quite a few, what's, what, what do you think? I would say roughly... I. I the last time I checked, I believe at least 200 were currently enrolled. That's quite a few. Yes. You don't have a football team or sororities <laughs> or... No rowing team. No. Um, thankfully, no. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, the uh, dean is listening, do not. 
I started a rowing team. <laughs> Uh, with the growing number of students who are not affiliated to a funeral home by family lines, do you also see more females entering school? And, and if so, why do you think that's the case? I do not think that the workforce is the man's world anymore at all. Um, I think women contribute just as much as men can to the funeral industry. Um, and definitely bring a, a, a softer approach to to arrangements and to services, it seems like. I, I feel that way too, but even at school, um, I would say it's split evenly 50-50. Most of my classes that I, I am taking, 80 to 90% of the students in each class I've been in have been female. So... Now, it's interesting because you look at New Hampshire, I mean, I think we're exception rather than the rule. We have quite a number of, of female funeral directors, women funeral directors yes. working here. But um, in looking at some of my colleagues, the, the vast majority are still, it's still a male-dominated industry, at least here in, in New Hampshire. And, and, and an owner and, you know, owner's children, grandchildren type industry. So I think there's definitely a, a changing trend in terms of the types of students, you know, women versus men and also people that have not had exposure to the funeral industry, which mm -hmm. brings up another question. Education is not cheap, and I'm sure um, going for an associate's degree in mortuary science is not an inexpensive proposition. So have you had conversations with your family, your fellow students? What if I don't get a job? What if I don't like funeral service? It's not, it's not like getting a a traditional associate's degree where you can say, well, I'm not doing this, but I can transfer it to this, or I get a business degree. I mean, it's, it's a pretty specific. Um... My advice would be um, if you have the opportunity to shadow at a funeral home, come in, see what they do, definitely take that opportunity. Um, it can be eye-opening. Um, you can also walk through nursing homes if you don't feel comfortable around the elderly that's th probably the biggest um amount of business we have that's a good yeah, our way to put clientele it yeah our be. largest clientele are the elderly um yeah, there's some pretty key elements to be comfortable around yes yeah, this is kind of a scary question there's a statistic that says that there's a 70 percent burnout rate in the first five years of somebody who enters <laughs> funeral service are you ever worried that you're not going to be able to push through it and you're going to end up in that 70% as opposed to the 30 who who see it through long term? I'm actually not worried at all. Um, at this point in my life, this was a this was probably the biggest decision I have had to make. Um, I took my time figuring out what I really wanted to do. Um, it wasn't a flippant decision, hey, I'm going to go to school and, you know, I'm going to be a funeral director because it's so fun. Um, I really took time and discussed with my spouse and talked with my family and asked other funeral directors and, um, and really did my homework before I just delved in and decided to spend thousands of dollars on education that I could potentially be wasting. So I'm not, I'm not worried that I'm going to burn out. Um, it's a tough job, but I absolutely feel I'm up to the task. Now, a lot of people don't realize that just going to school and getting your degree, associate's degree in, in mortuary science, oh, now I'm a funeral director. There's a lot more to it than just 
completing the program. Correct. And every state regulates it slightly differently. Um, you're here in New Hampshire, Sarah, so why don't you, why don't you have our listeners sort of um, explain to them once you've completed school, um, what are the requirements? At what point can you now call yourself a licensed funeral director? All right. So part of the state of New Hampshire requirements um, for someone going to eventually become a funeral director is um, I need to serve at least one year of an apprenticeship. That means working full time for a whole entire year um, for a funeral home, being exposed to um, doing arrangements. Um, We're required to do 12 funeral arrangements a year, and we also have to do 50 embalmings, 25 of which are assisted where we're... um, hands-on with our sponsor doing the embalming and then 25 unassisted where the sponsor is watching us um, perform an embalming. So luckily for me, I live in New Hampshire and I only have to do one year, um, but I do not have to be enrolled in school to start an apprenticeship. They like you to at least have some education or have... um, it's set up where you're going to be going to school, but I started my apprenticeship kind of late. I'm, I'm only in my last six months of school, and I just started my apprenticeship like two months ago, so I'm, I'm a late bloomer. Um, <laughs> but it was best for me because I, I was able to get the majority of my schooling done with, and I'm kind of like... Yeah, ideal if you could finish both at the same time. That would be, you know, the golden ticket right there, but you kind of just mix it up any way you can to get the job done. Yeah, I'll be graduating in February, um, and then I'll be able to finish my apprenticeship in August, and then after that, I will go and take a state exam, and if I pass that, then I can fill out my application to become a funeral director, and if it gets approved, then they send me a license. You mean when you pass that, not if, right? I'll definitely pass it. And then New Hampshire also has a an embalming practical exam, too, before you're allowed to be a licensed embalmer. Is that correct? That is correct as well. Um, you actually have to be a licensed embalmer before you can become a licensed funeral director. New Hampshire is one of the, one of the few states, maybe one of the, the 15 or so states in the country, that actually has a dual license where you have to be an embalmer Mm-hmm. before you could become a licensed funeral director. Correct. Um, some states, actually, you can do different tracks. You can be just an embalmer and just a funeral director. Some states have actually, like Colorado, has no legal requirements whatsoever. You can be working at a, um, you know, at a fast food restaurant one day and then become a funeral director the next day. Uh, New Hampshire actually has some pretty significant laws when it comes to, to licensed funeral directors. As you say, as a a late bloomer, you had the opportunity to go to school and learn more specifics um, before becoming hands-on. Now that you are a licensed apprentice, what has been the biggest challenge in adjusting to the funeral industry? So in answer to your question, Madison, um, I think the biggest challenge was there are so many pieces to this gigantic puzzle of just arranging and helping with one um, funeral arrangement. There's, you know, many different parts to it, paperwork, um, different steps to follow. And I think just putting it all together and finding my own flow in which to do that, um, it was probably the biggest challenge. So what's your favorite class? 
I'm actually currently in my favorite class. Um, my favorite class is pathology. It's really interesting. We have a really awesome teacher, Scott Elkanada. Shout um, out. <laughs> shout out to Fine. He's incredible, super smart. Um, he makes the classes really interesting. And um, so far, it's been my favorite. And your least favorite thus far? I don't have a least you don't favorite. Have a least favorite. Um, <laughs> I've actually answer, enjoyed most answer. of. You know, know what's interesting? A friend of mine awesome. actually is on the, the the national board that sets the standards in the curriculum of mortuary schools, and what the mortuary schools have done, they find out that the least favorite and the highest rate of attrition outside of you know basically people not finishing the program are the sort of more intense and bombing type pathology courses, and they tend to backload those towards the end of the program. Um, so they don't want to put those up front. They want figure people, you know, as they're a little bit more mature in terms of the program, they're more likely to stay with the program um, if they've committed a year, a year and a half, two years, and if they put those up front. So. We actually don't have like a set schedule for classes. We do have some classes that require prerequisites, um, but I've been able to do my schedule the way that it fits my personal life. Um, and I just happened to be taking pathology towards the end of my schooling, so it wasn't intentional. Now, how, um, much is, how much is online? <laughs> I mean, online learning now is so, so prevalent. We do have online um, classes. They completely revamped the courses for Fine. Um, we have a great online platform. Um, it's simple. It's easy to use. Um, the teachers are up to date with it. So I've been able to cut down on my traveling um, and do some classes at home, which has been really nice, especially over the winter. Now, when I went, it was about half of the classes that they offered online. Is that still pretty accurate, about about half the class? Load Most of them course are um, able to be taken online. I know the new owners have completely not only renovated the looks of the school, but they're also going through class by class and um, kind of doing an update with the curriculum and just, you know, we got a new online platform which was awesome because before it was a little archaic and difficult <laughs> to follow yeah i mean that, so, that, that online thing is great because uh, you know there's only what two schools in new england that offer uh, you know a funeral program so i mean there are people coming from the you know northern tip of maine they're coming from the cape they're coming from all over the place um so to cut down on that commute time being able to take half your course load online is incredibly incredibly helpful and time saving and the teachers are super understanding mm -hmm. with um like our own personal schedules and our private lives. Um, most of the students have families of their own, um, and so do the teachers. So, you know, if your kid is sick, it's okay. Um, you don't we'll have to freak out. It, yeah. yeah. So when you're, when you're all said and done and completed school, you will have an associate's degree with a concentration in, in funeral service. Is that correct? I will have an associate's degree in mortuary science. Okay. So because um, associates, you can take other, I'm sure you have to take classes such as English classes and math and history outside. You can, can you take those? Um, do some students take those maybe at their community college or other online or does everything have to be taken at the, um, the mortuary school? There are actually no classes like that. Um, traditional community colleges, you have to have the general eds like the English and the history and the composition. 
when you go to fine, um, it's set up like a technical school would be. Um, it's very subject subject driven, and every single course you take is specific to mortuary science. Um, so you really don't waste your time writing English papers. I mean, you will write a couple of papers for some of the classes, but I was um, an English major for, for all, so I didn't consider <laughs> that. It's a definitely waste. not a waste of time to <laughs> speak and write proper it. English. Um, but just at <laughs> fine, you know, they kind of expect you to know how to do those things already. Um, so it, it it is set up just like a technical college would be. Thank you for joining us on another informative episode of Dying to Talk. I definitely learned a lot. If our listeners have any questions about funerals or cremations, either in New Hampshire or Vermont, I'm happy to answer them. Just email me at buddy at finef.net. That's buddy at P-H-A-N-E-U-F.net. Or call me on my direct line at 603-625-5778. Our contact information is in the show notes of this episode too. 